into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rookie record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. And if you hear that that little pep in my step, in my voice there, it's because the college basketball season has officially begun. Monday was like my Christmas morning, my Christmas day, there was college basketball all day long, Kentucky opened their season against Howard. A lot of good basketball around the country, a lot of good games, some blowouts to be expected in the first day of college basketball. But the excitement, the buzz, it's here. Sam, we are fired up and ready to go for the basketball season. We have a lot to touch on in this episode about the basketball team, the season in general, the first game against Howard. But before we get there, we do need to talk about the football game from last Saturday against Missouri. And I think I speak for all of BBN, the fans across the country, the globe. A big sigh of relief. We can all exhale. I know we all... We're on the edge of our seats on Saturday. I think we went through a whirlwind of emotions. There was a point in the game, Sam, I thought, you know, we're we're about to start pulling away and running away with this thing, and it did not happen. And in some lucky circumstances or whatever you want to call them, call them what you may, Kentucky is able to find a way to pull out a 21-17 victory on the road against a scrappy Real scrappy Missouri Tiger squad. So with that being said, let's bring in Sam. And um, Sam, I think the best way to do this right now is we'll go through the good, the bad, and the ugly from Saturday's game. And, you know, I'm just going to go after it. It's right out there. We're all thinking it. The special teams play. We got to start there. And that that is going to fall in the ugly category, Sam. And it has fallen in the ugly category Almost all season. Two missed field goals, a almost potential season ruining botched snap on the punt. Insane, man. I don't even know where to begin. Let's let's I need to get your thoughts on this. The special teams went went awry and you know, I think it needs to be addressed. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I think I literally texted you, AJ, when that all happened. I said can we please get a special teams coach? Like this is, this has gone on long enough. And, you know, I, I understand Mark Stoops opinion of, you know, what am I going to tell these guys? You just got to kick the ball through the upright, but there's so much more to that. There, there's the attention to detail. There's, I, I mean, it's a third of the game, AJ, when we're talking about not only field goals, but kickoffs, when we're talking about punting, I mean, it's a third of the game. If not in some games, when you're in a defensive struggle like this, where it's even more prevalent. So it's even, you know, heavier weighted on the performance of your game. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. It definitely falls under the, the ugly, you know, all of Big Blue Nation. We escaped by the skin of our teeth, I guess. It, it was a close call. But at the same time, the good AJ, Colin Goodfellow, shout out. To Colin Goodfellow, he is out for the year. So he he seriously, he laid his body on the line for the Kentucky Wildcats season to prevail and to move and progress forward. Because without that, who knows, maybe they grab the ball on the two-yard line. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and speak for the Mizzou Tiger fans and say, oh, like we would have won the game. Because there was still time on the clock. We still could have won that football game, AJ, regardless of the outcome of that play. However, 
you know, Colin Goodfellow makes that heroic effort and has the whereabouts to pick up the ball, sweep all in one motion, and punt it away. And despite the penalty, AJ, even if you took the penalty away, he punted that thing 40 yards. I mean, they were still going to have to go half the distance of the field to go down and score on us, even if they didn't call that penalty. But, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's been a glaring concern for the Kentucky Wildcats all season. I mean, it's – I know last – on Saturday, last Saturday against Mizzou, we actually were playing with two different long snappers throughout the game because our first string snapper did go down. So it's something to consider, but at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. It it continues to fall in the ugly category for this team, and it's plagued us throughout the season, AJ. And thankfully... With the missed kicks and the over the over snapped punt, I mean, luckily the Kentucky Wildcats are able to grind it out on the road and get a gritty win. But my gosh, they you know they made it as tough as possible on this Kentucky football team to try to escape with a W. Yeah, Sam, and um, if you think back, I think I believe it was the. Um, the preview we did for the Ole Miss game and something that I had touched on at that point in the season was we were one of the best uh, like top 10 or top 15 teams in the country as far as field position right and you fast forward now to this point in the season right if you were to go and look up those stats now we are one of the worst teams in the country as far as where our offense starts on the field and where our defense starts on the field so We have continuously over the course of the last six weeks or so gone from being one of the best to one of the worst. And it's evident when your offense stalls out, your defense isn't getting as many stops. And again, the special teams, that's when you need it to play a bigger part and to to be able to kind of help you out in those areas. And and it just hasn't happened. So um, obviously causing us some issues, which were evident in the Missouri game. But with that being said, we did get the W, like you alluded to, Sam, which which was a very gritty performance. And so I think that realistically for me was the only ugly part of the game. Um, outside of that, for the for the bad, um, you know, I think it's it's easy just to throw our offense in there because it's been pretty clunky at times this year. And during the game, I thought it looked clunky. So I'm going to put those drives in the bad category but then you also saw us string together some nice some nice drives there and then convert in the red zone which has been somewhat of a problem um this season so um that was the really only thing those drives that stuck out to me other than that um just some penalties at some key points in the game where it's like you can't take those penalties, and they're they're just self-inflicted wounds, a false start, and offsides, you know that sort of thing. Where it's like, in the moment, maybe I don't know how it feels to the players and the coaches. I'm sure it feels the same for the coaches as it does for us at home. But it's like so deflating, and it's it's like you get this momentum, you get it going, and then boom, a, a, a penalty, and you. You're on a drive, and then boom, a false start in first and 15, a bad run, an incomplete pass, and now you're sitting in third and 12 or third and 13. And it's like those sorts of things where just got to gotta clean those things up, and you'd like to see those things not really happening as much. It just seems like, you know, when we do get some of these penalties, they just seem to be at inopportune times. It's, it's more of the timing of the penalties than the actual penalties themselves for me. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I know it's difficult, but the most absurd stat to me, AJ, is at any point through the Mark Stoops era at Kentucky, if his team has over 10 penalties, which has only happened a few select times, he's undefeated in those games. So I don't quite hope that that's a correlation because you never want to be the team, especially on the road, that is struggling with And like you said, just undisciplined penalties where, you know, they're head scratchers throughout the game where you're backing yourself up to constantly to where, you know, you're only making the game more difficult for yourself. You're not simplifying it. You're amplifying the fact that you have to drive down the field, you know, in even worse circumstances. So 
it's definitely a glaring issue. I would definitely agree with you. That falls under the bad category for me. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't actually have too much to gripe with the offense. I will get to the good, and I actually do have some things within the offensive play that we had in scheme that falls under my good category. Uh, but other than that, I, I would say that's kind of it for me as far as the bad category because at the end of the day, with the special teams and with the, the penalties that we can, kept inflicting on ourselves, those were the two biggest hurdles, in my opinion, AJ, that we had to get over on Saturday with it being on the road. I mean, that's just you're backing yourself into a corner where most times against a better opponent, you're probably not going to get that win. But you also made this comment earlier, AJ, and I you know, had to give some credit to this Mizzou Tigers team where we had that opportunity to kind of close them out and extend out the game, and they just would not go away. And that's because they're a gritty, well-coached team, and you got to tip your hat to them because – you know, you and I were both talking and we were like, gosh, man, it, it just felt like there was these moments where we could step on their throats a bit, but we just unfortunately weren't able to do it. They hang around, but thankfully, you know, we, we ultimately still get the job done. Yep. And that's what it's all about saying we did get the W and, um, you know, that's where I'll start off the good is you found a way to win the game. That's really all that mattered. I mean, it, I think we knew going into the game where we've been, uh, this season, we we kind of we had we had anticipated the type of game in which transpired on Saturday. We thought it was going to be tough. We thought it might be hard to move the ball at times. Um, you know, six sacks on Levis, not not ideal. But that front is is they're legit. That is legit front seven that you just faced there that can get after the quarterback. I mean, they gave Georgia problems. They've gave, given a lot of teams on their schedule problems this season. And you got a quarterback, and he's pretty banged up in Will Levis. And so his mobility is not at its peak, I would say. And a lot of the runs and that sort of thing have been kind of thrown out of the playbook a little bit. Um, so he's kind of a... St- I mean, relative to where he was last year and even beginning of the season, he's a statue in the pocket at this point. So I think, you know, and again, with some of those penalties and stuff, defense can pin their ears back and and go after him. But with that being said, Will Levis, I know he didn't pass for a ton of yards and coming off a game against Tennessee in which he was under 100 yards, um, but... On Saturday, he stood in there, which is what he's done all season long, and he's made the throws even when he takes the hit in in the face of pressure. I keep going back to this. That is the, the one thing, Sam, we had talked about before the season. We needed to see him do better. He stands in there. He delivers the ball. Um, and he ends with three touchdown passes and really led this offense and our team to a victory. Um, we had called for the leadership from him before the game against Missouri to really – come through and shine and show out and and be that vocal leader within the locker room and then on the field with his play. And that's exactly what he did. And you heard Rich Scangarello after the game and excuse my language, but what did he say, Sam? That guy is tough as shit, right? That that is word for word what he said about Will Levis. And I, I, he's a hundred percent accurate. You cannot question this guy's toughness. And he, he kind of galvanized that team and got them in a position to be able to go out there and win that football game. And um, I just, you know, it was a huge, it was huge for, I think, the confidence of the team, the confidence of Will Levis and kind of carrying us into these last three games and, and being able to come out there with the victory. And I just love the way that he led out there. I think that was, those were my biggest things. And then Sam, no turnovers. No turnovers, Sam. Oh, my gosh. We always turn the ball over. It's our number one pet peeve. It's just like, can we please go a game and not turn it over and just see what happens and what happened? We won the game. And so you just you love the attempt, attention to detail, um, being able to hold on to the ball. Chris Rodriguez, I know, got a little iffy there. Thought he had might have fumbled, but obviously ground calls the fumble on that play. But um Securing the rock, not turning it over. Levis with his throwing, he did not put it in harm's way, throwing it, throwing any interceptions. So, um, a lot of positives that came out of the game, in which in which helped us lead us to victory. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, AJ, that was what was in the good category for me as well. Liva, Will Levis, just his poise, his just. 
outright grit. I mean, you said exactly what Rich Gangarello said about Will Levis after the game, but I mean, just an incredible performance with everything he's fighting through with his injuries, with the turf toe, with his uh, hurt left shoulder. I mean, this guy is an absolute warrior and the team fed off that. I mean, he was out there play after play getting sacked six times and he never turned the ball over. He throws for three touchdowns, 170 yards on 13 of 19 attempts. I mean, you can't really ask for much more. He played to the ability that we needed him to to win that game with especially ball security as job number one. And then another glaring spot for me, AJ, is just the fact that Chris Rodriguez, you know, he gets over 100 yards again, finishes with 112 total. He doesn't quite get into the end zone because obviously we've got three through the air. But, you know, he did his job. And at any point in this season, AJ, I know I haven't said it week in and week out, but you would – like to see Chris Rodriguez, in my opinion, get over 100 yards. Our statistical percentage of winning the football game when he gets over 100 yards significantly goes up. So, um, you know, you love to see another game where he gets over 100 yards rushing, breaks down that defense, and really does open up those opportunities for Will Levis and company to kind of grind them down through the air. And then aside from that, AJ, I think the biggest good spot from Saturday, in my opinion, was the performance of Trayvon Wallace. I mean, that kid was flying around AJ, made play after play, finishes with nine total tackles, one sack, and that doesn't even begin to describe the type of afternoon that he had, in my opinion. I mean, if you were watching the actual plays, AJ, he was in the mix every single time, disrupting the defense, pressuring the quarterback, just making everyone's life difficult. And the reason that's so important to us is with our star players, AJ, being out at that linebacker position, he stepped up and even further out into the future, AJ, of like next season and losing some of our key linebackers, he really proved to us that he can be our next guy among others. But my gosh, that was a standout performance and was a big piece as to why we got the victory and held this Mizzou team to just 17 points on their home turf. Yeah, Sam, I mean, I think there's no secret that the the play of the linebackers has been um, very vital to the success of our defense. And so you get a little nervous before the game when you know um, you're missing two key players there um, in DeAndre Square and Jacquez Jones. But like you said, Trevin Wallace steps in and um, I think he just he exceeded expectations and then some, you know, he comes out there and you said it nine tackles just flying all over the field. I had texted you in the middle of the game, Sam, and I said, this kid just jumps off the screen. You know, it's, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure there's other people who break down the game X's and O's and everything who might have a little bit of, of a different opinion. Potentially, I'm not really sure, but um you know, from the eye test, just watching him, he popped on screen. I mean, you saw him sideline to sideline, the ability to make tackles, the ability to rush the quarterback, the ability to um, play coverage in that in that zone coverage that Kentucky likes to play. Um, so really, really, really encouraging to see him. Um, I think he'll definitely be a vital piece within our defense next season. So great to see him out there. Hopefully we can continue to get him out there um, in, in a lot of playing time these last couple of games and really start to build him up. Um, but, yeah, excited for the future for him. And, and definitely, Sam, that was awesome to see him step up um, because, you know what, we needed it. We needed that play out of him. We could not afford for him to come in there and play um, – like a guy who was nervous about being in his first start in an SEC road game, right? So awesome to see. He balled out. Team got the W. Um, I don't really have much more to say than that. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled they got the victory. Like we said, something to build on. Three games left in the season. Time to, time to try to make something happen. You got Georgia on the schedule still. You got Vanderbilt coming up this weekend. A chance to be able to come home, take care of business, get two wins in a row there, and then um, you know see what we can do when Georgia comes into town. But that's all I got as far as the football game is concerned, Sam. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add um, before we transition. No, just glad to, to see the Kentucky Wildcats are back in the top 25 as of 
tonight's rankings, actually, from the college football playoff. Uh, Kentucky jumps back into the picture at number 24 overall. So just good to see um, them claw their way back in, obviously, for the first time last week being bumped out of the top 25. So it's just good to see them back. Um, Obviously, like you said, just, you know, three more weeks. So every week is do or die time. In my opinion, there's no slip ups from here on out. And it was good to see us obviously just get that win. And hopefully it's something that we can build off, build off of. It is time, my friend. It is hoop season. We've teased it a little bit earlier, but I think everyone is is absolutely ready for a little college basketball. And so, Sam, I'm going to throw it right back to you. Before we kind of preview the season as a whole, um, which we've kind of done already in bits and pieces, we've obviously been able to um, get everyone familiar with the roster and what's going on there. Um, wanted to be able to kind of take a little bit of a different pro- approach today and look at the season as far as um, as a whole, um, kind of look at what are our expectations, where do we think this team can go, um, areas of improvement, that sort of thing. Um, but before we get to all of that, Sam, Kentucky did have their first official game of the season uh, last night against Howard at Rupp Arena. And you start the season off and you're without Oscar Sheway, Xavier Wheeler, and Damian Collins. And, you know, I think the reason we're so excited about this team is you got a little bit of the experience. You got a little bit of the young guys. You got some transfers coming in. And so it's a nice mix of all these different pieces, right? And then the first game comes out there, and I'm sure a lot of people watching the game are saying, yeah, I don't recognize a lot of these people on the court right now, right? So kind of an interesting dynamic when you're missing three of your returning players from last season in the first game. But nevertheless, Kentucky comes out with a statement victory in their first game. And Sam wanted to throw it over to you and kind of get your reaction, what you saw out there, what you liked, what you didn't like. And um, I'm sure you're just as fired up as I am to see the Cats back out there in Rupp Arena. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, sitting on my couch last night, all by my lonesome, just screaming and yelling at the TV just because of how happy I was. It was a great feeling to watch the Kentucky Wildcats back on Rupp Arena's court. Uh, you know, obviously we get the W against Howard, a Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference team that is chose to potentially win their conference. So, um, pretty exciting to uh, obviously get a good W against that opponent because that is a team that could potentially win their conference and get a bid to the NCAA tournament come March, AJ. So, uh, you know, no easy cakewalk. And like you alluded to, I mean, the Kentucky Wildcats were out with two of their key players in Oscar Sheboy and Severe Wheeler and obviously a vital piece throughout the rest of the season. And Damian Collins obviously still trying to get over the, the passing of his father. So, you know, in due time, whenever he's ready, we're welcome to obviously have him back with open arms. But for the time being, we're still down without those players. We get a 95-63 to 63 win. It's the second most points a Kentucky Wildcats team has put up under John Calipari since AJ 2011. Don't have to tell you what happened that season, but... It was very exciting to see the offense firing on all cylinders. I know they kind of came out flat, but that's first game jitters. A lot of new faces, a little unfamiliarity with you know how we're going to run things without some of these key players like Severe, like Oscar. So you know we've got to learn how we're going to gel. But what jumped off the page to me, AJ, initially is Kentucky's field goals. Thirty nine percent of them came from three, AJ. That does not happen often. It it actually never happens, AJ. And gosh, was it refreshing to just see this team get defensive stops, stack defensive stops, and get out in transition and not just run straight to the basket with our crazy athletics. But what we were trying to do is create lanes with our speed because we are fast, AJ, and that's definitely a strength of this team. But use that speed to create lanes and find our shooters. 
and throughout the entire game, you kept seeing it over and over. It was just, it was incredible. And with that, you got to give a huge shout out to first game Antonio Reeves. He has showed it in the Bahamas. He has showed it in the blue and white game. And now he has shown it in the real deal Rupp Arena. He finishes with six of those threes, AJ, the most in a UK debut ever. Shout out to Antonio Reeves. He was a flamethrower. And my gosh, I I know I mentioned it the other day, AJ, in our, our previous episode, but I love when CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves are on the court together. I'll get your opinion here in a second of what you think our starting five should be going forward as we kind of do the preview for the entire season. But my gosh, I love when they're on the floor because they just create so much space for one another because you have to respect them. It was it was a lot of fun to see Antonio Reeves really just get into a groove. And I mean, he missed a few that I just, every time he was going up, and CJ, him and CJ, when those two shoot that, that basketball, man, it feels like it's bound to go in. And obviously, when you look at Antonio Reeves' numbers, 50% of the time, it is going to find the bottom of the basket. So my gosh, did that jump off the page. But um, still have a lot more to add to this game. But let me get your initial thoughts before I dive way too deep into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sam, absolutely. I, 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 I respect the, the self-control there and being able to, to cut yourself off before you go on a 10-minute uh, a solo, even though we would we would welcome that with open arms because, you know, once once – once you wind Sam up about Kentucky basketball, it's 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 never going to stop. So, um, but yeah, Sam, I think um, what jumped off the page to me is just ninety five points, man. I mean, I made a joke uh, to a buddy of mine today. I said Kentucky hit eleven threes last night, and I don't think that's ever happened in my lifetime. And obviously, I was joking, but um, it was a huge sense of relief to see the the three point shooting the shooting in general um again sam uh kentucky shoots 34 62 54 percent uh 45 percent 11 to 24 from three point line the only uh negative is 16 to 28 from the free throw line so i love you got to the free throw line 28 but shooting 57 percent from the free throw line that obviously needs to be better and closer tighter but uh bigger games you're going to need to shoot the ball from the line a little bit better than 57 percent but again first game Game. I'm not going to go nuts and, and read too much into it, but um, yeah, Sam, the three-point shooting, the transition basketball, I think is something that is really going to need to be able to help fuel our offense and the, the nights where we're able to get out and transition and stuff like that, I mean, you could see us score a, a lot of points. And so a problem we had last year was only having one shooter on the floor, right? And so with Oscar down low, you throw the ball into him and teams are able to double-team him easier, trap him easier, that sort of thing. Now, when you have guys on the floor that can shoot and are willing to shoot, it, it opens the floor more. And obviously Oscar wasn't out there last night, but once he does get in there, I think you're going to see a little bit more room for him to roam around. And that it, that's... That's good for us. That's not good for our opponents. Um, but Sam, 11 threes, right? You get one from Jacob. You get um, CJ in there. You get Antonio in there. And then you even get um, CJ got fouled on a three, was able to go to the line, make the free throws. So the three-point shooting is definitely going to be a threat this season. So that was the, that was the first thing that jumped off the page to me because that's not a typical – Kentucky style of offense, um, but they've done a good job of incorporating that three-point shot where I think a lot of teams struggle when they want to get better with that three-point shot and incorporate it more, and they kind of go crazy with it. I thought Kentucky did a really good job of just kind of like working it in with their offense and not making it something that was like, oh my gosh, we have to shoot a ton of threes or whatever. It was just, it was within the flow of the offense, and, and that was what I liked. Um the defensive effort, I loved. The energy, the effort, it's not going to be perfect, right? But you saw guys out there guarding, right? Getting up in guys' faces, rebounding the basketball, going up for block shots. Ugana, I love his presence down low. I mean, the guy's a beast already down low. And I just, 
I started to have a moment, Sam, where I'm like, what happens when this guy and Oscar are on the court at the same time? I think, again, I could go a million different directions. I'm just like you, Sam. I I have so much on my mind. But I think what I'll say um, to throw back to you is we can do a lot of different things on the court. We can go big, we can go small, we can go fast, we can slow the game down. And so I think with all of these pieces, right, this is really going to become a chess match where John Calipari is going to have to figure out his lineups and what guys play well together. Um, and depending on the opponent and what they're good at and what they struggle with in different times of the game, I would love to see him be able to go to a few different lineups and be able to play basketball a different style of way because you can't just win the same way every game, right? You're going to have to find a way to win game different ways. And so I'm really just excited to kind of see how they all fit together once we get all of the players back together you get Oscar and Severe and Damian back into the rotation, um, and then kind of how we can start to to play around with some of our chess pieces here and really start to create some mismatches out on the floor. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that's a, a key point is just this Kentucky Wildcats team's versatility will greatly benefit them throughout the season. And I think what you're saying, AJ, and I totally agree, is who – who we put out on the floor is definitely going to be dictated by who we're playing on any given night. And the style of play can be changed, which makes us just such a, just a lethal threat because we really can play different styles of basketball. I think John Calipari, if he could have it his way, we want to play fast. We want to play great defense and we want to get out and transition. I think that's the style we would like to play because you know, even initially we, we've showed signs in the half court of offense to not be extremely efficient. I think part of that is not because we have an inability to score. I think we have great scores. I think it's just we're still trying to find our legs on, like you said, AJ, who is out on the floor and our spacing and who trusts who. So I think that's going to naturally fix itself. So I don't necessarily have any concerns going forward of our half court offense. Um but I, I really do think, like you said, AJ, you know, Ugana, he, he jumped off the page at me. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he really works into this mix because he is an elite rim protector with four blocks of the Knights and a dozen other impacted shots. Because even when he's not blocking a shot, AJ, if you look out the, the ridiculous angles that these guys are trying to put the basketball up so it doesn't get blocked, it might as well count as a block because he's impacting every shot. He's impacting shots the way Anthony Davis did when he first came in at Kentucky. I'm not saying he's the same player. He's not near as talented as when Anthony came in, obviously. But just you you turn on the tape, you see him out there on the court. He looks the body type the same and then just getting out and, and affecting shots the same sort of way where, it, yep. like you said, Sam, does not even have to be a block shot. Yeah, no, and I absolutely agree with that. And I think one thing that jumped off the page at me with Uganda's performance as well is every time he got that basketball and his hands off a rebound, he was immediately distributing that basketball because he knew his assignment was to get up the court as fast as possible. And for a really young guy like Uganda, who's still supposed to be in high school, AJ, he, he reclassified. That's going to be amazing. He, you can clearly see he is going to be a great learner from John Calipari and from Oscar Sheboy, even more importantly. And he's going to grow and grow in front of us. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they work him in because, you know, AJ, I don't know how much we'll put him on the floor with Oscar. We'll see. But regardless, it's very reassuring to know that when Oscar could get in foul trouble like we saw last year, we have a very secure option to put out maybe with Lance Ware to where or Jacob Toppin or Damien Collins to where we feel very comfortable at that five four position and not so um, deflated last year where you know you have a Lance Ware and a Damien Collins, which don't get me wrong, I think both of them are taking steps in the right direction this year, and I'll get to that. Uh, but still, you, you feel just a little more confident with who you are putting out, especially against some of these bigs that we're going to have to go up against. And not only SEC play, but you know, obviously early 
and some of these matchups with, you know, obviously Drew Timmy coming and against, uh, you know, obviously this great Gonzaga team. Absolutely, Sam. And so I think this kind of leads us into a nice little transition where touched on the game against Howard. I think this is our opportunity to kind of look at the season as a whole and um, and preview that. So for me, best place to start, and this is just to kind of wrap everyone everyone's minds around um, sort of the expectation around the team. Obviously, as fans, we always have the expectation national championship, right? So, um, but <laughs> yeah, but um, you know what. That may not be like every year. That may not be a complete realistic goal. Like we're not gonna, we're never gonna say it's not the goal. It is the goal, obviously. Um, but sometimes, you know, you may have a team that may not be ready for that that deep run, and you may have a team that's gonna take a little bit more time to gel and come together. And, and Calipari's been kind of talking about, you know, having a little patience and, and this team coming together, and you know. You know, whatever, Calipari, you know what you have here. You she know the talent. You know the talent that we have, okay? So, um, and just to kind of put that in, into pers- perspective, Sam, so um, Kentucky, if you were to go and bet on them, they are the favorite to win the SEC this season, okay? And um, you got to lay um, – is actually plus money at, at plus one eighty. So you lay a hundred to win one eighty if they win the regular season um, title, and that's followed up by Arkansas at plus three thirty, Tennessee at plus three fifty, and then Alabama at plus seven fifty. So um, in the in the odds makers' eyes and their expectations, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama should be those top four teams in the SEC vying for that title. Um, and then if you take it a step further and you look even further out, so Kentucky actually has the fourth lowest odds to make the Final Four at plus 270. So the only teams that they think have a better opportunity to make the Final Four outside of Kentucky would be Houston, Gonzaga, and North Carolina. Okay, And then you also have Kentucky as 12-1 to 1 odds to win the national championship. Um, and the only teams with lower odds than them, again, are the aforementioned, the Houston Cougars, Gonzaga Bulldogs, and the North Carolina Tar Heels. So I think I say all that to say this. Obviously, in the eyes of odds makers, Kentucky is one of the top four teams in the country, right? I think that has a lot to do with the experience that you bring back, the young, fresh talent that you brought in, and then... Um, Impact transfers, two impact transfers, and I'm counting C.J. Frederick as an impact transfer because obviously he didn't play last year but is going to be a vital part of our rotation this year. Exhibit A is the game against Howard, okay? Um, So for me, you know, I think this whole season is just about continuing to grow and get better as the season goes along. And I think we're going to have a really good opportunity to do that, Sam. I, um, this is something that we had talked about off air, but something that I've really wanted to to touch on. And guys, this is an absolutely loaded Kentucky schedule. And, and even within that, the SEC this season, okay? 18 of Kentucky's 31 games this season are against top 50 ranked teams in the country. A few more of those games are against teams that are just barely outside of the top 50. And if you look at the SEC to start the season, you have Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Florida, and Auburn. All of those teams with inside the top 50. That is two-thirds of our league in SEC. So 
Sam, I think this team's going to be able to be battle-tested throughout the season, and I think we're going to get a real indication of, of who we are as a, as a team. And I love the fact that we're going to get a lot of early challenges, and, and we're going to be able to see who we are and where we need to get better. Um, but that schedule, man, I think it's going to be something that is actually going to play into our favor down down the stretch in March because, like I said, we are going to be one team that is, is battle-tested. We've played a ton of, of good quality opponents at home, neutral site, on the road. Um, so you kind of get all of those different environments. You get all the guys used to, to all that thing, all, all of those sorts of things. Um, but for me, you know, we've got a real good shot at, at being able – to potentially cut down the nets at the end of the season. Health is going to be a major a major concern throughout the course of the season and keeping all of these guys healthy, continuing to grow as a team, as a unit, and building that chemistry on and off the court. Um, but that's where I'd like to start as kind of laying out the, the expectations, the ceiling for this team, and the ceiling for this team is definitely a national championship. I think you're going to have Kentucky be a, a big-time player um, as far as the NCAA tournament goes this season. You're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to look at the Kentucky Wildcats roster and their experience, AJ, within that roster to know that they are – built to have a deep run in March. And I think as you can see, they're getting very early respect out of the likes of all of ESPN of the national landscape of college basketball, because they know that Kentucky is for real and they really do have a great opportunity to have a heck of a run come March and, and potentially cut down the banners. Like you said, um, I think for me, AJ, it really does, yeah. It's going to contend on can this team stay healthy. But at the same time, I think any team can say that, obviously, because if you lose a star player, I mean, where are you going to make the adjustments? Where are you going to get the production from off the bench? So, um, you know, with that being said, it does pick the question, you know, when we look at last year's roster, where are we going to not only replace but improve? And that's where I kind of want to dive in just to, you know, look forward for the rest of the season, but I think it's, it starts with where we lost in scoring and the likes of Ty Ty Washington and Kelly and Grady and Keon Brooks. Obviously Oscar was our number one scorer last year, but the next three top scorers for us last year were those three players and we lose obviously all of them. Um, and for me, AJ, I mean, we didn't mention him in the breakdown of the first game against Howard, but Kaysom Wallace replacing Ty Ty Washington. Oh my gosh, AJ. I think... Almost had a triple-double in his first game. Almost had a triple-double in his first game. I honestly think, AJ, we are going to watch a star being born, a diaper dandy right in front of us. And I really do think, AJ, a player like Kaysom Wallace is also someone that can take you all the way through the end of March. We talked about guard play and how important it is, and I love what this kid brings to the table for this Kentucky Wildcats team. Like you said, AJ, almost a triple-double in his very first game on his birthday. He finishes with 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists. I mean, holy crap, he was incredible. And I really do think this kid's strength and toughness is incredible, AJ, and I really do think that's what sets him apart from other guards because this kid enjoys the contacts, he likes getting to the rim, and has just an ability to finish with contact that I really haven't seen in a while, AJ. And when you look back, and even Kyle Powery talked about it in his post-game presser, his best players have been guards. And they all have a toughness to him. And he said he walked into the gym the other day and Kaysom Wallace got up in Cal's face and said, where's your energy, Cal? Where's your energy, Cal? And he just said that he has this incredible leadership and enthusiasm around the program right now. And I think you can tell there's a twinkle in Cal's eye when he talks about Kaysom Wallace. And I really do think, AJ, he is going to be – one of the most vital parts of this team and our run that we're able to make throughout the season and obviously come 
March. But he replaces, obviously, a huge role that Ty Ty played last year. When you look at Kellen Grady and his amazing three-point shooting, when you look at CJ AJ, it's just it's crazy because what's sad to some degree is CJ was here last year and he was hurt and it's like, oh my gosh, if he could have played last year, what could we have been? But we've got to lay that to bed. We're in the present, but CJ Frederick AJ is more than a spot up shooter. He can do that. We've learned very quickly. He's incredible at shooting the three on a spot-up opportunity. But the way he puts the ball on the deck, even some of those pump fakes, one dribble, spot-up, oh my gosh, he is one of the most fluid shooters I have seen in a long time, AJ. His shot really reminds me when you look at the mechanics of Tyler Hero, and we all know what he was able to do for the Kentucky Wildcats, and then some, obviously, winning the sixth man of the year and now starting in the rotation with the Miami Heat. I mean, this guy is for real. He's a much better defender than we were maybe giving him credit for, AJ. He's starting to get more and more healthy, more and more confident. And I really do think that, you know, Calipari is going to free up opportunities for plays directly for him to get the ball and obviously put up his opportunities and his shots. But my gosh, I mean, when we look at some of the opportunity we have to replace key players from last year. And then we, we go to Keon Brooks and shout out to Keon Brooks. He put up 20 points for Washington and his debut. So, you know, we're still going to be cheering him on, but I will say this, AJ, Jacob Toppin has taken the step. I really think he's taken the step. I think he, he forced a few shots last night, maybe a little eager to just, you know, obviously get his mix and all of the, the fun last night, obviously with 95 points being going up, but I like what he's doing. His energy he is going to be not only a role player for this Kentucky team, but I think when we get to this, AJ, I think he's a starter. I think he's a key part to this team as we move forward. Um, you know, I'm pretty confident in that. I don't know about you, AJ, but as of right now, I got to get your opinion. My starting five would most likely be, and hear me out, I know, I know Severe is hurt. But he might be this amazing point guard opportunity to come off the bench. And I'm not saying he can't have the amazing season he had last year. But this is an eclectic group. And I think what we get from Kaysom Wallace, we need him at point guard to start the games. I think you go Kaysom Wallace at the one. You go, and it doesn't matter, but I think you obviously put CJ at the two. You put Antonio Reeves at the three. You put Jacob Toppin at the four and obviously Oscar at the five. And I think that's our lineup to start. I think, you know, we could definitely see variations, but my gosh, dude, that lineup. And one thing that we have to add about Kaysen is he does give the ability to stretch the floor because he can knock down threes. You saw him go one for two in his first game, obviously. And I think that just adds the element to where you've got to put so much stress and emphasis of guarding the perimeter, like you said, AJ, that opens up a lot of room for Jacob Toppin in the middle to hit those mid-range jump shots that he has showed a vast improvement from last year. They talked about him being the gym rat and putting up the most shots on the team so far. And then you got Oscar Sheboy obviously having more opportunities down low. Like you said, with those double teams, he's going to be more confident in the ability to move the ball to the exterior again with some of these shooters. But what do you think our starting five could look like as we move forward and obviously get more and more healthy? Yeah, I think our, our starting five, um, Kaysen, CJ, Chris, Jacob, and Oscar. And then um, I say that because I think Calipari likes bringing Antonio off the bench as that spark plug. Um, so I, I have no issue if he starts and then Chris comes in. Um, they're two totally different players. I think Chris gives you a little bit more um, as far as physicality um, out there. Um, but Antonio, the way he can stretch the floor. So I think that that three spot there is kind of up in the air. But um, I think you could really go either way in how you wanted to play it. Um, I think you'll be able to kind of see a nice rotation um, where you can get Antonio and CJ on the court at the same time, um, but without always having them in the starting lineup and on the court and then taking them out at the same time and bringing in it. You know, I think you're going to need to have one of them on the court 
um, to kind of stretch the floor as far as the shooting goes, unless we have somebody else that um, kind of steps up as that kind of knockdown um, outside shooter. So if we can develop, if somebody else can develop that, then it gets real dangerous. But um, with those two shooters, I think you'll see them both on the court at the same time together, one of them on the court, one of them off, that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where my starting five would be right now. And I know let's, let's touch on severe because obviously he's out with, with an ankle, um, issue right now and he'll be back. But, um, which I think John coach Cal will, will start him once he comes back. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how he kind of divvies up these minutes between the guards. But Sam, I think it's going to be undeniable throughout the season. You you have to give these minutes to Case and Wallace. I think, you know, I know it's Howard and they're an inferior opponent, but I think you just saw what he brings to the table in game one. Um, doing it all on the court, being able to rebound as a guard, being able to get his teammates involved, attacking the rim setting up the offense, being able to run the offense, not turn the ball over at a high rate. Um, so yeah, yeah, man, he, I will just reiterate what you said. I think everyone needs to pay attention to this kid this year and continue to watch his trajectory. Um, cause it's going to skyrocket. I think the sky is the limit for this kid. It's really about him just continuing to, to grow and mature throughout the course of the season. He's going to take his bumps and his lumps uh, along the way. But I think this is a kid who's going to learn very quickly and that the, the mistakes that he made makes are not going to be mistakes that he's going to continue to make. He's going to correct those right away and he's going to continue to push forward. And so Sam, I'd like to look at our roster for a second in, in this way. And I think a lot of the success of our season falls upon our returning players. And I say that because we have three returning players in my eyes that have half to make a giant leap this season. And you brought up Jacob Toppin and he's the first person, right? Um, I'm not going to include Oscar and Severe in this conversation right now because I think those two guys have kind of, they have cemented themselves as who they are and what they're going to do for our basketball team, right? And so I, I believe that Jacob Toppin, Damian Collins, and Lance Ware, the development of those three players right there are going to be absolutely crucial to the success of our team. Um, you have to have those guys be able to come in and play quality minutes. Jacob is going to play a larger role than the other two. We've seen him kind of take that next step. Sam, consistency, right? We need to see him continue to do it game after game. We cannot see the disappearing act where he goes away and, you know, we, no. Game after game after game, right? And then Lance Ware. He comes in and there's times where he looks great. And then there he comes in and there's times where he looks a little lost or the energy's not there. And he's not a guy that can just rely on his talent alone, right? He's got to bring that energy. And you saw it at the beginning of the Howard game. He was in there for a couple of minutes. Cal didn't like his energy. He didn't like what he was doing. He took him out right away and he, he put in Ugana. And then he played for a couple of minutes and then he grabs Lance and he throws him right back in. But I don't even need to hear what Calipari is saying. I know he's taking him out because he's not busting his his ass out there. That's why he takes people out of the game. So um, when Oscar goes out of the game, we we you talked about earlier, Sam, last year we struggled without him out of the game and being able to kind of find our offense and where do we go. And, and we need Lance to be a little bit more of a consistent when he comes into the game and being able to kind of eat up some of those minutes – um, when we need to get rest for some of these other guys. And so that leads me to Damian Collins. You saw it in the Bahamas, right? That energy, that spark off the bench and being able to create um, some big-time plays, some big-time dunks, some blocks, things of that nature. And so um, really looking forward to having him back with the team. Um, and then when he does get into play, again, just kind of taking that next step of being able to come in and play more consistent minutes, being able to go out there and do things other than just dunk the ball. 
solid defense, rebounding the basketball, blocking shots, being able to dive to the rim and um, offensive rebound, that sort of thing. And I think, Sam, actually, I'll wait. I'll wait on that because that's something that that almost led me into something I want. I don't want to get off too off topic, but um, so I think. Those three players right there, I can't, I can't really hammer it home anymore. Just th- their development um, and being those consistent, more consistent players are going to go a long way um, in 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 the success of our season. That combined with the growth and the maturity from the younger guys who are now on the team, that combination—if you can get both of those things on upward trajectories and those guys playing consistently throughout the course of the season—I think you're going to have an absolute juggernaut here. Yeah, no, and I think that's what I love about this team is the balance. I mean, we we finally have some experience that's going to really weigh heavy with this team going forward, and then obviously that's going to, um, you know create the sense of urgency in these freshmen to really fight for minutes from these guys. And and I really want to um, reiterate that I've got my chips in on Damian Collins this year, AJ. I really do think he's going to be playing a critical role for this team going forward. I I know obviously, you know, people could be forgetting about him early on in the season just because of what he's going through and not being with the team right now. But I, I really do think that when we take Damian, or I mean Jacob out and he comes in, I think he's going to play more than just an impact player with the high flying dunks and you know the likes of that nature. Where I think he's going to be a more consistent shooter this year. I think he's going to have higher energy on defense where he's impacting you know the shots down low. I, I am very excited to see what he does. But with that, I like how you married it with obviously the development of our young freshmen. And I like to bring in specifically Chris Livingston because obviously you put him in your starting five, AJ. And obviously he was one of the starting five in our opener against Howard. I loved what I saw from him. Despite not maybe having the most jump off the page performance with nine points, obviously one steal four rebounds. I mean, it's nothing, you know, holy crap, what a performance in your debut. However, that kid was flying around. He was diving on the floor for loose balls and he was doing the things that get you minutes when you play for John Calipari. So watch him continue to do that because he knows AJ, he's going up against the likes of Jacob and Damian and Lance. And if he wants to fight for those minutes or even a starting position, he has to do those things. And then obviously when he had his opportunities to shoot, he took them, and he was quite efficient, obviously, of four for six on the night. So I am extremely proud of his performance, and I really do think, like you said, AJ, the development throughout the season, if he can continue to get better and better and work his tail off like he showed in that first game, that's going to be massive for this team. And that's why I said I liked him in the starting lineup because he he's a guy to me all year who he's not going to get the glory, he's not going to get the credit, He's not going to go out there and put up gaudy numbers and, and, and crazy stats and all these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, he is going to do all the things to help you win a basketball game. And I, even from the, the, the get go, I, that guy is a dog, man. All right. He is a dog. All right. He is not afraid to lay his body on the line and, and get scrappy and get on the floor. And I just love that, 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 that energy is absolutely contagious and, Every team needs a guy like that. He just he just really gets the team going. You watch on in a road game, crowd's going to be going nuts, and this kid's going to make some crazy play, diving on the floor, getting us a fast break dunk, something like that. Quiet the crowd. It's just it, that sort of thing is infectious in college basketball, and and I just I love what he brings to the table in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And AJ, I was just thinking about it, but. I'm glad you brought up kind of the camaraderie that we currently have, but also the inner competitiveness that we have to have with these young players and these old players as we fight for position. And what Cal did say about this UK team that he loved so much early on is, and you could kind of see it during the first game against Howard, but what he has credited this team through throughout the season and preview to, the, to this season is just that he sees – all the players rooting each other on. They know they're fighting for minutes. 
but rarely do you see a team that can buy full in and be invested into their teammates because obviously when you see someone doing great things, that might mean a little less time for you. He said that has not been an issue yet. He says all of them are rooting each other on. You saw, and what he also said, this was a post-game presser obviously from Howard, AJ, what he also said that really caught my attention was he loved what Severe and Oscar were doing for us on the bench, coaching the team up throughout the game, using their experience to give their two cents, to add the motivation, to add the energy, despite not being on the floor. I think that shows leadership. We know what we get out of Sabir. He's going to be a leader regardless of what his role looks like this year. I guarantee you that we cannot win a national championship without Severe Wheeler. So nobody sleep on him this year. We know what Oscar is. I mean, he's the reigning national player of the year. But I love to hear things like that, and it needs to be contagious with the entire roster. You've got to be coachable, not only by your coaches, but by your teammates as well, because that is how you build the foundation of a team that can cut down the nets in March, because you feed off of that, man. You really do. And I love what I'm seeing from this team so far. Well, Sam, I think that if you've been able to take in all of that, we are saying, and I know we're we're throwing a lot at you guys right now, and, and we're fired up for this, but um, just to kind of recap real quick, I think it's it's very exciting for all of us as as Big Blue Nation to know that the, the pieces are here, the team is working hard together. The bond that they've created, the kind of the the chip on their shoulder they have from last year, the end of it. You got some returning players, the young players, the transfers. We've talked about it all, but I think at the end of the day, you know that all of the ingredients are here to make a national championship run, right? And so now it's it's just continuing to watch this growth throughout the course of the season and how a lot of these guys come together, continue to grow. And uh, we should be able to win a lot of basketball games this season, Sam. So super exciting. Um, just a little look ahead. Kentucky will take on Duquesne at home on Friday um, before they head to the Champions Classic to take on the Michigan State Spartans. I actually was able to go and see Michigan State's um, home opener last night. Got my scouting report in on them. So before the Champions Classic, we will have a nice preview of the game at Michigan State. I'll give you guys a full scouting report um, on the Spartans and how the Wildcats match up with them. We also have a home game this Saturday at Kroger Field. The Kentucky Wildcats will be taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores. And Sam, we will be down there in Lexington this weekend. I'm excited. Um, you have been to a few of the home games this season. It's a little bit more difficult for me traveling um, from Michigan up here, but I will be down in Lexington this weekend. I'm ex super excited to see the Cats play, get into Kroger Field, a little tailgating before the game. I know it's a noon kick, so can't can't get too rowdy. Um, but uh, before, well, yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would. Uh, I'm telling you, would beg to differ. So. Big Blue Nation will not have that issue. I can guarantee you that they will be just fine yeah. for that new kickoff, myself included. But Yes, you are absolutely correct. The All Out Kentucky podcast boys will be coming to you live from Lexington. Super awesome experience for us. Going to be down there together. Obviously, get out an episode for you guys as a review of the Duquesne game, preview for the Mizzou game. So we'll keep you guys, obviously, ready to roll for the big weekend for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, Sam. Sorry, I had a little little hiccup there. But um, if you're in Lexington this weekend and you see me and Sam, feel free, come up, say hi. I don't know if you guys will, any of us, will, any of you will recognize us, but um, we will be down there. We'll be having fun. We have, uh, going to try to get the word out a little bit more and trying to interact and, and connect with some people down in Lexington this weekend. So 
Um, if you listen to this and, and you're at the game and you're tailgating and you, and you come across us, we'd love to chat. We'd love to meet some new people. Um, going to continue to push the podcast forward, try to continue to get all this content out to you guys. Um, full transparency. I think this is, is somewhat obvious, but me and Sam, this is more a labor of love. We are not getting paid to do this. We would love to be able to potentially have a little income from this podcast at some point, but for now, it is all just about growing the brand, being able to connect with you guys, bring our insights on the Kentucky basketball and football programs to you guys, and, and have some fun with this along the way. So going to keep coming at you with all this content. Like Sam said, we will be back this weekend talk about the basketball game Friday, football game Saturday, and then we'll get you guys ready for the showdown in the Champions Classic with the Michigan State Spartans. That's all I got for you guys tonight, Sam. We're a little over an hour. I think it's time to, to cut it and get out of here uh, for the night, and uh, we will be back soon. So that's all I got for tonight. Appreciate you all listening, Sam. I appreciate your time and Go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.